All right, will you guys please, you can turn to the front of your songbook, stay standing with me, and we are going to pray this together and we'll stand for the scripture reading. So today we're in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 16 through 20, but will you guys pray the opening prayer with me? Lord, give us life as we seek you and your kingdom with a whole heart, as we attempt to fear you and keep your commandments. Let our lives be found in Christ, led by the Holy Spirit, as we walk in the arena of God's great mysteries. Ecclesiastes 10, 16 through 20. Woe to you, O land, when your king is a child, and your princes feast in the morning. Happy are you, O land, when your king is the son of nobility, and your princes feast at the proper time, for strength and not for drunkenness. Through sloth, the roof sinks in, and through indolence, the house leaks. Bread is made for laughter, and wine gladdens life, and money answers everything. Even in your thoughts, do not curse the king, nor in your bedroom, curse the rich. For a bird of the air will carry your voice, or some winged creature will tell the matter. You guys may be seated. I love wisdom literature seems to sometimes not tell the entire story, does it? Like, it's interesting that we get little, especially when we preach it like this, there's little bits and pizzas. But as followers of Jesus, we have a very, very interesting and uh, I would argue a very important role in the community and in the countries that we live in. So what I'm talking about is, yes, in our country, we get to Somebody, some would say, what's the most important thing to do as a citizen of this country? Anybody? Say it, Ty. Vote, Vote right? So we, we get, uh, is that, that's not what I'm talking about, but I, I, us in this country, we get to vote our conscience, don't we? We get, to, we get to, every time an election comes out, we get to do it. And voting has its values, and it's actually a very beautiful thing in, in our in this country, at least, we get to express our opinions about the country, state, or local region's politics, and that has its values. And, and it's good that we uh, get to have a voice, because not every country or nation or state has this privilege, right? And so if we get to use this privilege, and um, I was thinking about this in Jesus' time, Jesus didn't get to vote about what the, Rome, the Caesar in Rome would do. He, no, no, no one of the Jews got to vote on how the Roman legionnaires would do their things. Laws were made apart from the considerations of people. And this is how some of the world still operates today. So um, are there Christians in these places where these rules don't operate the same way? Yes. So one of our roles as a Christian is one of prayer. We get to be people of prayer. One of praying for uh, our leaders. And when I say for, uh, my dad used to always say, oh yeah, I'm praying for Obama. He wasn't praying for Obama. He was praying against Obama. Obama is no longer president, right? So, but, but he used to always say that, oh, I'm praying for him, all right. Yeah, not, we're not to pray for the demise of our leaders, whether we like them or not. And we're supposed to pray for our leaders, 
We're supposed to pray for our leaders. And if we're honest, some leaders make this easier for us than others. And, and sometimes like our political bents depends on if this can make us make it easier or not. But first Timothy uh, two, one through four says this. First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and this is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. This is a beautiful role that we get to partake in in our communities. Pray for not only all the people, but also our leaders. And we are permitted our, uh, in, in our country, we're uh, permitted our opinions about politics, right? We're, uh, but our job, if we're not in politics, our job, and even if we were, our job is to pray for our leaders, to pray for those that they are governing as well, to pray for our leaders. These can be, these leaders can be over uh, a country, right? We have our, our president and our Congress and all that stuff the Supreme Court. They can be over the state or the city or even our churches or our homes. And what we get to be, the directive from the Apostle Paul to Timothy, his disciple, was uh, was given that we are to pray for our leaders. And this was given to Timothy where Timothy was in Ephesus at the time. And under, uh, it was it was not an easy place to follow Jesus. It was not an easy place to follow Jesus. This was a place where Timothy had no voice to speak into the politic of the region. And so he was instructed to use his voice to pray to the one who is bigger than our governments and bigger than our leaders so that we may live in peace. Amen. How many of you guys want peace? I know I definitely do. Like I said, this text in Ecclesiastes states, some leaders are easier to pray for than others. Can I get an amen? Like, this is, this is so true. Um, there are leaders who, even if you don't like their politics, they act like leaders. They act like leaders. We have this saying in our country, like, about our presidents. We want our presidents to act presidential, don't we? We want our governors to act like a governor should act and and do what is best for the the people and when when they don't do these things and when they don't act very presidential um the 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 country doesn't seem to run as well it doesn't seem to run as well even if their political side everything's good or or whatever but when they're not acting presidential or as this text would say they're acting like children it doesn't seem to work anymore, uh, as much, or it doesn't seem to work well. I can think of a, a number of moments from my childhood into recent years where the president didn't act presidential, didn't act like what we would say is, is presidential. And as these things happened, it sent our country into debates, into dissension, into uh, like infighting and it really took and said, okay, we have a two party system in this country. So it said, I am either this or I am that. And if you're this, this is the way you think. And if you're that, this is the way you think. And these moments created divides instead of unity. And so when you have a king that acts like a child, you have disunity. 
we need our leaders to act right, right? We need them to do what is best for the organization or the country or the county or the city where they are leading, not what's best for their own agendas, not what's best in their own ways. We also need them to act right when it comes to the word. I don't know why this is not a word that I use all the time, but when I was studying this, I was thinking, well, we need leaders that have like the proper decorum, the proper look about them, the pro- not, not necessarily look like in visual, but um, it, it decorum is like where their behavior accords with good taste and proper etiquette for that position. We need our leaders to do this. I was thinking about this. A mom or a dad shouldn't act like a three-year-old child and throw a fit in a grocery store every time they don't get the candy bar that they asked for, right? Or if the ice cream, can you imagine the ice cream that you want is not in stock? Oh, that would not be good, right? But for a mom or a dad, I remember, I, I don't know if I ever did it. My mom could probably, she'd probably say yes. But when you're a little kid and you're like, can I have a candy as they're going through the aisle? And no, no, no. The answer is no. And the kid throws himself on the ground and is throwing a fit and is doing all this thing. Could you imagine what that would happen if a mom or dad did that over not having their brand of ice cream? It'd be ridiculous. It's not in accordance with how this person, this leader in the family should act. And when that goes wrong, I, 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 my mom never did that. Um, but I remember there were a number of times when my dad didn't act according to the way a father should act. You know what? It was embarrassing. It was confusing. It was one of those things where it kind of sent my, it sent me into questioning what is going on here. And that's what happens when leaders don't kind of uh, operate with decorum or behavior that has good taste and proper etiquette. There are leaders who know how to lead with proper leadership. And when that happens, it is a blessing to the people. Is it not? It is a blessing to the people underneath them. However, us as Christians, regardless of how leaders act, what do we get to do? We get to pray for them. We get to pray for them. For us as followers of Jesus, we believe that it is prayer that holds up the house, that it is Christ has all things in his hand and he's holding all things together. And we get to call to him for the state of our lives, state of our cities, and and the state of our country. This goes so far beyond politics. When it's talking about leaders here in this, us as Christians, it goes so far beyond politics because our allegiance is to Jesus. Jesus Christ is our King. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. We are praying to Him because we believe that. We believe that Jesus is Lord of all. That He is the head of all heads and all of Uh, And he is leading this ultimately to his glory. And we pray even, may that come soon. May that come in fullness soon. Jesus lived this out in his life. He submitted to local leadership even to the point of death. This is something that he did. He didn't agree with everything that was going on. He didn't agree with everything that was going on with the Romans or with the, the, in the regions or with the, the Jewish people, or the, the Israeli nation as a whole or the Jewish nation as a whole. But you know what? He submitted to it. 
And we know that he did this even to the point of death, to the point where he died on a Roman cross. Even though he knew all the systems were corrupt, he still submitted to the process. It says he didn't even open his mouth to defend himself. And we know that we know that he was placed in a tomb in that region and that region was under Rome's protection and a rock was sealed in front of his tomb and it was a, a guards were placed in front of it. And we know that Jesus rose again to show us that he is alive, ruling and reigning from the right hand of God our Father. And Jesus sent us his scriptures and his Holy Spirit and he asks us to live lives that transcend the politic of the day and he asks us to pray. Politics does play a part in making our life easier difficult, right? But more than that, or rather regardless of that, whether it's easy or difficult, you know what we get to do? Pray. We trust that God sees what's going on, that he knows what's going on, that he cares what's going on, and that he is working all things for his glory. He uses the government at times, and at other times he works despite them. This is what our God does. So woe to you as a land when the king is a child, and happy are you land when the king is the son of a nobility, or woe to you, O land, when your king doesn't act like a king, and happy are you land when your king knows how to lead and rule. I want to address a couple other things in this text. One is bread is made for laughter, and wine gladdens life. This is not suggesting that you should all go out and drink wine today. Um, If you feel like you have the freedom, feel free. If uh, you don't, then don't. And if you're underage, do not, right? So one thing that we see in our country is that politics does what? Divides. Divides, right? How many of you guys have lost friend over political views? I know I have. I know I have. Where you just get into it and... And they attribute it to, maybe you don't necessarily attribute it to politics, they just, politi- and, and, and it divides. And we each have our different views of, on different things with different emphases and different levels of concern on each particular issue. We can't all be on the same page 100%. But you know what we can do? Let's have real conversations. Real conversations, by the way, real conversations aren't usually had on Facebook or Twitter or YouTube or Instagram or anything like that. Real conversations always have, real conversations always have this, points of agreement and points of disagreement and a lot of understanding and a lot of forgiveness. Both points of agreement and disagreement are okay and they're good and they're just honest, right? There are some people that I agree with, but I don't agree with the motivations why they, and, and vice versa. But if we come together for food and drink, if we sit at the same table together, or if we commune together, then we don't have to agree on much to have unity. And this is a beautiful thing that the table brings us together, that bread is made for laughter and wine gladdens the heart. Like this is a beautiful thing where we can sit at the same Uh, at the same table. Unity is not for the like-minded only. You don't have to be like-minded in everything. It's when we let the love of God rule over us for others. It is when we let go of the things that we disagree on and hold on to the things that we do that is helpful. A healthy 
community should have a fair bit of diversity. Amen? Diversity in age, gender, thoughts, beliefs, experiences, opinions, all of that. We should have it. But if we can agree on Christ Jesus and him being our king, his broken body for us, his shed blood for us, that he is risen to be the king of kings, if we can agree on this, then Lord willing, there will be a lot that we can disagree on and that doesn't matter. We shouldn't let all the other stuff in life come in and choke our, our, about, our ability to eat bread and drink wine with each other as we do each and every week. We shouldn't let uh, the differing opinions or differing things come in and just say, you know what, because of this is disagreements, you guys can't come together under the broken body and shed blood of Jesus because we can as Christians. Another, thing, uh, another saying that I think that we should look at, it says money answers everything, right? We know that this is not um, always true, uh, but there seems to be a lot of truth to this statement. Let me ask it this way. How many of you, if you had more money, it would, you could solve at least one or more problems in your life? Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, I'm not saying it would like solve the heart issues. That's not what I'm saying, but it would ease a little something and it would just help. It would help you get through. There seems to be some truth to this statement that money answers everything. Money can help solve problems or at least open up more options for us, right? It can open up more options. And this is a good thing. Most of us have participated in fundraisers. Raise your hand, whether you've been there, you put them on, you've done them, right? What do we do for these things? We obviously live this way if we put on fundraisers where we're like, hey, it's good to give money because this money, uh, it's, a pain in, it's a pain to put them on, but this money helps um, fund all this amazing work. And not only that, but even as a church, we give away funds through the Thrill Hope. We know that this doesn't solve all the problems, but we know that it helps many of the solutions for the people who are doing the tasks that money, it doesn't, again, I don't know, answers everything I think is a little bit hyperbolic, but it does help. It does help. Money matters. The way that we deal with money, but, it, but, the, but more than that is the heart of the one who has the money. Money can be a lubricant for good. Amen? However, we also know that money can cause much harm. Not only that, there are unintended consequences sometimes for even those who give with a pure heart. But even in that, God is after our hearts. In a culture that treats money and wealth like a God in and of itself, we cannot worship money as Christians. Amen? In our culture uh, that it lifts money up, it cannot be an answer to corruption and to lead us into destructive paths. But it can be a help. If we think about it this way, Jesus wants us to worship him in what? In spirit and in truth. Jesus told us that we are to love God with our whole heart, soul, and mind, and love our neighbors as ourselves. So, if that is true, where we worship Jesus in spirit and in truth, and we love God with our whole heart, our whole mind, and our whole soul, there's no room for money to be worshipped and a heart that is wholly devoted to Jesus. 
If the one whose heart is fully devoted to Jesus, then that money that they have will be used to help Jesus' kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I'll ask this. Does Jesus need money? No. Does Jesus use money sometimes to reveal his glory and goodness? Absolutely. It's a helpful tool. It's like this. Um, Is food a helpful tool? Yes, it's a necessity, but money is a certain necessity uh, in our culture as well. Uh, what about this? Is transportation a necessity? Like, do we need to fly on planes? Do we need to? No, we don't have to. But is it helpful to spread the love of God through the entire kingdom? Absolutely it is. Or I was thinking about this. What about the printer press? When the printing press was invented, that changed some things, didn't it? Did God need to use the printing press? No, he didn't. But he did use it for his glory and his goodness. The printing press has also been used for much evil over the years, too, if we look at it that way. What about audiobooks? Amen. amen. We can say, amen. I know this crowd can say amen for God allowing audiobooks to be invented. Yeah. And there are a million other things that are used in this world that Jesus doesn't need them, but he can still use them for his glory and his purposes. And this includes money. Verse 20 here reminds us, is a reminder and an encouragement. There's a popular uh, thing in this world to curse leaders and to curse the wealthy. Uh, This is something that is so easy to do. So easy to pick on a leader, isn't it? Like you look at them, oh, I would have done this. Really? You don't know everything that they're considering. Or to go and curse somebody who's wealthy because they spent money that you don't have to spend, so you wouldn't have spent it that way. This is something that is easy to do, to curse people. It's always the wealthy or a leader's fault, isn't it? There is some truth in this. The wealthy and the leaders are held to a higher responsibility but it is not our job to carry out the justice and judgment on them. Amen. I mean, if they're elected officials, I guess we can vote against them, right? We can at least do that. But no matter if our leaders are good or bad or rich or poor, we don't curse them or wish them ill. It's not what we, it's not that we have to agree with everything they do, but when we disagree, we should be respectful and recognize that they have a lot more on their plate than we can imagine We don't curse them. Again, our role as Christians is to pray for them. We don't belittle them. We lift them up in prayers. We don't demean them. Even if they're demeaning themselves, we don't demean them. We honor the the position that the person occupies and we pray for them. Again, it's not always easy. Also, we don't always have to curse the wealthy. We don't always have to curse the wealthy. We don't have to curse what they buy or what they do. I'll be honest with you. I think if I had more money, I probably would have less stuff because I would have bought nicer stuff and I wouldn't have had to replace all the junk that I bought. It's just true. Although I'd probably still have a lot of guitars. I'm just saying. And books. I would still have a lot of books. But there are wealthy who are doing God's will with their wealth. Amen? Amen. Uh, how many of us live on charity? We can raise our hands and we can praise God for his provision in that way. We don't have to fault anyone for having a nice house. Amen. Or nice vehicles. Amen. If they are generous 
with their money, if they're doing what God has asked them to do with their materials good, then that is a beautiful thing. And it doesn't matter what they have. It doesn't matter what they spend their money on necessarily. By the way, it's not the money's fault, right? And some people are just gifted with making money. And then there's me. So, <laughs> and then there's me. But, we, but in this, we can pray for them that they might use their wealth for good. We can encourage them to use their wealth for good. We don't worship money. I have, I have been known, uh, I've had some millionaires come to me and ask me what to do with their money. I said, I don't care what you do with your money, but be generous. Don't think it's yours. Be generous. I would give you that same advice. Your money is not yours. And with that, we get to be generous because money in the hands of a righteous person can be a very beautiful thing. And I love this last part here, right? For the bird of the air will carry your voice. It's talking about, you know, don't speak ill against the king or speak ill about the wealthy because you don't know who their friends are and it may get up to them and then they may come and steal your land or do something like that. And that's not the way it works necessarily in this, this but I love the, the word here, for the bird of the air will carry your voice. And we don't need a bird to carry our voice, do we? Not anymore, not in our culture. We have Twitter, which is a bird. Rachel knew what I was getting at, right? <laughs> We have Facebook, Instagram, it, you know, blogs, all of that to use to, to give our voice and our opinions. And we get to check our hearts as we give voice to every opinion. We get to check our, uh, our voice in those minutes. And, and in fact, if we think about Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes is teaching us that, hey, there's a lot that you can do, but it might help if you limit some things. We might need to even limit the fact that we need opinions about everything. It would be better if we used our limits on our voice and our opinion to, for things that matter most. This is just another area where I believe that we would be wise to exercise limits. It says, even in your thoughts, do not curse the king or your bedroom, curse the rich. I don't I don't know if this means that you should agree with them. I don't think that at all. But I think that a curse is, is something beyond disagreement. It's putting them down. It's slandering them. It's, it's not lifting them up. It's not hoping the best for them or praying the best for them. It's cursing them out of your existence. And I pray this as we come here and we see about kings and we see that about money and leadership and food and all these different things that our hearts will be full of Christ. That our lips will be full, not of the slander that we want to give, right? But our lips will be full of his prayers for this world. That we get to be a people of prayer. That we've looked at the book of Revelation in this church, and we know that God will, God will judge the leaders he will judge the people that don't follow him. He will do this with justice. It will be perfectly executed. It will be executed with kindness and grace. He will also judge the rich. He will also judge the poor. He will judge you. He will judge me. And he will judge all those oppose him. So we get to, just as we get to leave salvation at God's feet and ask him to save people, we get to leave judgment at his feet as well. And we get to be a people of prayer who lift those up in our midst and not tear them down. So I pray that we may follow Jesus in this. That we will seek first his kingdom, not the kingdom that we are a part of, 
and that we will serve our leaders through prayer and that we will serve all the people that they have under their protection in prayer as well. Will you guys pray with me? Lord, I thank you that you've given us this great gift of prayer. I thank you, Lord, that when we have a good leader, we can praise you. And when we have a bad leader, we can still praise you. That, Lord, when times are good or times are bad, that we can still lift up your name. We can still cry out to you. We can still pray for others. Lord, we can pray for wisdom. We can pray what you put on our hearts. Lord, we can pray the scriptures. I pray that you will allow us to pray for our leaders. Lord, this is something that is a beautiful thing and it is a gift that we get to partake in. So Jesus, please allow us to do this and remind us, Lord, we give permission to you to come and speak to our hearts about these leaders. In Jesus' name, amen.